Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Guys, what a cool convo we're going to have. We're going to be talking podcasting. We're going to be talking about all sorts of things here. I'm excited. I don't know what's going on. I've got notebooks. I've got pens. I've got three iced coffees surrounding me right now. I can't wait to introduce our guest today. He's an absolute badass. What can I say? Serial entrepreneur, successful entrepreneur, seasoned podcast host. He has actually pivoted multiple careers. And, and after being successful with his companies, he's now really focused on the dream exit, helping fellow entrepreneurs exit in that dreamlike way, not in the opposite, not in the nightmare way. He's been fo- featured in things like Forbes, the Entrepreneur Magazine, all sorts of places. And what is his show? Because that's what we're here to talk about, the show. He's a creator and host of How Did It Happen, which now has over 440 episodes as of a few days, who knows? That number's probably doubled by now. Author of ownership <laughs> and a dream exit expert, Mike Malatesta. Welcome to the show, sir. Casey, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for the help that you've given me and a couple of conversations that we have. And thank you for being so excited that you bumped your mic. <laughs> I did. I like started. <laughs> That's enthusiastic. Everyone listening is like, what, what was that <laughs> that just happened? That was me running into <laughs> That's my That's all the caffeine from those iced just, coffees. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, crazy, man. So I'm glad you're here. We get to geek out about this thing we both love for the next bit of time here. So I want to start the show the way we start every show by asking you this question. Mike, pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. Yeah, sure. So like you said, my show is called How'd It Happen? And I do two things on that show. Once a week, I have conversations with really successful people uh, from all walks of life. And I have two intentions with those conversations. One is to get to the root of how it happened, how their success happened, and however they want to define their success. And two is uh, get to the point of why it matters to you if you're listening. So And then on the other show that I do, the other episode I do, so I do two a week, is what I call Free Thinking Friday. And on Free Thinking Friday, it's just me. And I do a solo episode that's like 10 minutes long or so about something that has interested me in the last week, something that I've been made aware of, something that I've read, uh, something that I think was was cool and that I think the people listening uh, to me will also think is cool as well. So that's the show. But I'm going to focus on the conversations I have with uh, successful people for the answer to this question. And that is that what I'm really trying to do, Casey, is I'm trying to get my guests to be curious about themselves. I find that uh, a lot of people who've been on podcasts, especially people who've been on podcasts or a lot of podcasts, like executives and uh, other professionals, they show up kind of wanting to control the narrative around their conversation. Uh, and they're pretty good at it. And I prefer to try to figure out a way to get them to actually think about something about themselves that they weren't thinking they would have to think about and they weren't maybe weren't prepared to talk about, but not, I'm not trying, it's not a gotcha, I'm not a, 
a gotcha type person. So it's really an organic sort of, oh. And then, you know, kind of when the head goes like tilts a little bit like that, then um, I feel like we've sort of broken some some new ground. And I really like to get to that new ground where the guest is curious about themselves. Wow. So, it, I mean, that's like an ah, you're like the aha moment king at that point. You're you're creating these little, these these moments. But that can't be easy, right? It's almost like the folks that are in control, to your point, and are good at it. That's almost like it requires what? Vulnerability. It requires a lot of different things that people probably don't, come prepared to bear their souls on your show or do they? Yeah. Uh, so I think there are some that, you know, some people are in the business of bearing their souls. So <laughs> overshare, some, let's some go. People, <laughs> yeah. Some, some people are quite ready for that. Um, the, the vast majority uh, aren't not that they're unwilling. They just aren't because they haven't been, yeah. they haven't had to. Right. So I like to think of it as, um, when, when you get them to be curious about themselves, you end up going off in a different direction, perhaps with the conversation, and they don't even know any longer or feel any longer like they're on a Squadcast or a Zoom or on a podcast at all. And I'm not suggesting I get there with everybody because I don't. Um, but man, when you do... That's where the, like, you know, like some people will call that, that's the real gold. And then, you know, that's, that's where you have a great podcast. And, and the person, when you're done, is like, I just never thought I would be talking about, <laughs> you know, whatever it was today. And, uh, but they're happy they did. What is it about those unscripted moments that are so magical? Why, why do you, why do you pursue the, I mean, at, it's it's not just rhetorical, but like, what is about those moments that is magic to listen to and then also magic to be a host of? Well, uh, to me, they reflect the reality of life as a human being. I mean, how many people do you run into somewhere and you start, you open up a book and you start asking them, you know, a list of questions It usually, that usually never happens, right? right? So- what normally happens is I run into you, Casey, hey, hey, I'm Mike. Um, you know, what do you do? Where do you live? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And the answers to those questions lead to another question, and I have no idea what that question is going to be. And even if I had the questions in mind, I still wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't make sense to logically, you know, follow a list of questions when you're getting answers, you're getting feedback, you're getting direction from the person yeah. you're talking to. I definitely find that that tends to be like a, a new host thing, right? You you have a list of 30 questions and you're just going to attack that list. And the worst sin of all, at least with question asking, is to, you, you know, to hear that answer they give. And great. Thanks, Mike. Your next question is this, you know, it, it, you just, yeah. in, you, you, maybe the gold was passing you by. They just mentioned something really interesting and you just let it slip by to ask another question, which is probably dumb and probably not even a good question, but instead there was something right in front of you. So it seems to be an experienced host thing where somehow you're able to let go of the, the reins to sort of roll the dice, you know, talk to well, me about that. Have you yeah. always been like this or did you evolve into it? Yeah, I evolved into it. I think, 
uh, and I put myself back in my in the shoes of say the first fifty or so episodes that I did. <clears throat> there were two things that were always on my mind. One is um, the the I'm going to hit a brick wall with this person at uh, fifteen minutes in, and I'm on an hour show and I'm not going to know where to go. So there, there was always that fear. So I would have a list of prepared questions when I first started, not with the intent of asking all of those questions, but with the, uh, uh, it was like preventative measure of like, if, if, if we get stuck and we have no, I got nothing, I'm going to go and I'm going to ask him one of these questions to try to get it restarted. And then I discovered over time that I never asked any of those questions. I never asked any of those questions. So then I began to, well, two things. So I began to abandon that, but I also, I also learned one thing that if I'm, if I get 20 minutes into an hour conversation with somebody, it's going the hour or more. There's just no question about it. It was always the first 20 minutes that I was the most nervous about. So once I, you know, got my feet under me a little bit and, and got a little confident, I was able to get rid of the questions. So now what I do, I still have notes in front of me that I've made, um, uh, 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 and the research that I've done on the person. Uh, and I just have those there because I know that there will come a point where something that they say I'll be able to reference this and connect the two of them in what hopefully seems like an organic, natural way. So that's uh, that's been my evolution, and I don't write any questions out any longer. Do you do you have like a couple go tos? I mean, do you go to or like nothing completely unscripted? Like, have you gone completely? I, I I'm com- yeah, I'm completely unscripted except for two things. One, the beginning of my show, I ask everyone how it happened for them and i asked that question very um the way i asked that question is very intentional because i don't have conversations with them about the answer to that question prior to and the reason i don't is i i get asked a bunch how do you want me to answer that mm. and and i um i always say the best answer is the one that you want to select to answer that. Now, you could say, well, what if the person goes off on some wild ride that makes no sense? Um, that's a risk, but I found that, in, at least in my experience, very few people do that. They they have a story that they want to tell, um, and I don't want to put any thoughts about what that story is into them, because then I am kind of scripting the, the, the podcast. And then I've I've taken to this more recently, but at the end, and I think I've sort of copied this from Tim Ferriss, I asked them if there's anything that I haven't asked them or that they would like me to ask before we end the show. And I th- and I like doing like he he does that and I liked that it often brought up something that I hadn't thought about, which is but his, you know, value to leave with the listener. And so 
And it's a simple question. They and they can they can say no. Nope, I think we got it all. And I'm like, great, okay. And then if they want to, it's just that one thing that, um, you know, like I didn't connect that dot, or I totally missed that part, or whatever. And it's makes a good ending. Yeah, I think. In in a lot, I mean, some guests will. I mean, I've been on shows where I had a point, and it's like, gosh darn, I'm gonna make that point. <laughs> You almost like a politician, right? Where they're like, they ask you one question, you're like, oh, yeah. cool, let me finish my point over here and then I'll, I'll get to your question. So some, sure, some sure, guests sure. will just do that, but I love the idea that some won't. Some will just go with you wherever you're going and and asking them. It's almost like a little bit of a clearing session at the end. Just say, are we good at anything left unsaid? You don't want to leave it like that. That's a cool question. Yeah, and it makes it, 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 makes it not like an interview. It makes it, to me, it like takes a little bit of the, well, hopefully the interview thing is gone by the end, but if it's not, it's like, here's an opportunity for you to, you know, help me out here with something that is important to you. And I'm not talking about promoting their website or their <laughs> cor course or anything. I'm really not trying to get at that. I'm trying to get at some lesson, story, advice, whatever that could be helpful to, to me and to everyone listening. Yeah, you know, this is a good topic too because if you and you you said you don't do the prep, right? No prep calls. It's it's no rare. Emails, it's rare. you just like get on the show. Let's go. Oh, no. So our our process is very detailed. Okay. So when once we once we book so we send everyone an invitation. And in that invitation, it describes exactly how this is going to go. Um, you know, the time, the type of equipment we would love you to have, how, the, how I'm going to ask that start. It's an unscripted podcast. I'm going to start with how did it happen for you. And so it's, it's very detailed that way, but, but I don't usually get on the phone with, with, or zoom with people beforehand. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, but you do, you are giving them information, but to your point, you don't want to script their answers. You don't want to manipulate them. And also, I mean, the thing that I have to, the challenge I have to deal with on a prep call is making sure you don't just run away and say the whole show on the prep when we're not recording. So, well, yeah, yeah, that, right, right. <laughs> and that's one of the, th that's one of the, and I think, I, I think when I heard you with Dave Will, that was one of the things he said, because you guys were debating prep call, not prep yeah. call. And he was sort of like, I think you both had good points because he was sort of like, I don't want to do what you just said. I don't want to hear the stuff that I want to come out on the podcast. But your point was, I want to get started right. Yeah. And that made a lot of sense to me too. So I'm, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm rethinking it, uh, but um, I don't know which way I'll do it, but I, but your, your, the prep call makes sense to me if, if, uh, if it's got a tight agenda and you're not going to open up the whole story. Totally. And you've, you've mentioned this word a couple of times. It's one of my favorite words, intention. And I mm -hmm. think for me in particular, my intention around the podcast is to create a relationship. And so with that, having a little more time on a, an organized prep call can be great, you know, so that it's the second time yeah. I'm seeing you were chatting today, that kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, cold stranger, let's go. And someone like Dave, um, Probably all of us, we could probably warm someone up. Um, in fact, I actually just did a, I just did a show without a prep call recently. And it was a, it, it was really interesting. It was a childhood hero. It was a marketer who had been 
decades championing SEO and, and, and how to market Rand Fishkin, really cool guy. Um, no prep, right? Which you tend to get with the more busy slash famous, slash, you know, some people just don't want to do them. And I normally say, no, if they don't want to do a prep, I don't want to interview them. Uh, Cause it's like my rules. Cool. But okay. I said yes yep. to him and I had to deal with, which I don't normally have to deal with on my show, warming him up, you know? So I did a little stuff before we hit record. And then even on the show, he's not sure who I am just yet. Right. So we had to have that initial dialogue you know, which might be tied into that 20 minutes you mentioned, that initial 20 minutes where you're kind of feeling each other out. Right, right. Tell, tell me more and about it, your, it, your 20 minutes. It, what do you do in that 20 minutes to make to make it to the 20 so you know you can get to the hour? I wish I could tell you. I just try to get there. You know, um, <laughs> Survival. <laughs> what, yeah. What I've learned is that patience is really valuable. Like, for instance, I would be nervous when I started, I'd ask, you know, I'd be like, well, what if I ask the how did it happen question and they give me a two word answer? What am I going to do yeah. with, with that? Fortunately, that's hasn't happened. Maybe I've gotten one sentence from a couple of people, but I, so I used to be nervous about that because I was thinking, well, how do I move on from, from here? But now I'm just patient with it. So I know that whatever they say, is going to lead to three, four, five questions. Of course, I don't know what they are, but I know it's going to lead to that, Casey. And then um, by that time, we're off. And, and and I don't fear that 20-minute thing anymore. So sort of like that saying, you slow down to speed up. Yeah. That's kind of what, that's kind of what uh, I think it is. I've just been, I'm not nervous about somebody knocking me off my game with their answer to that first question like I was before. I'm just like, okay, this is going to be whatever they say, man. It's going to be like, let's follow that. Um, yeah. And so so it just hasn't been an issue for me for That's a long cool. Time. And it sounds like you're also – once you deal with something once as a host, right, then it, it's not as a, much as a surprise the second time. So to get oh, that one-sentence yeah. answer – can be scary. Once you go through, you're like, well, I dealt with it. You know, I'm sure you asked some kind of follow-up, but I do wonder about those short answers. What's your take? Why do people sometimes give short answers? Well, I think there's a, there's a humility angle to it. People who are, aren't uh, naturally comfortable talking about themselves, um, Maybe they haven't been on very many podcasts and they're not naturally, uh, you know, inclined to talk about themselves. They, they're used to going through life in a humble way. And the humble way is say as little as I can about myself, but be polite, you know? So right. I think, um, that probably has something to do about it. And, or I, you know, I haven't had the, I'm sure there's the, I, I don't want to be here type. <laughs> person who I I haven't had that. And I, I think that's one good thing about podcasts is because it's a complete choice. Yeah. You don't have to be anywhere. It's not like someone coming up after a game and sticking a microphone in your face and you have to answer the questions oh because they're part of the part of the network. And, and the if you don't answer the questions, too. you get fined. <laughs> yeah. How'd you catch yeah. that game winning touchdown? 
Yeah. Let, How did you feel when you threw that? Yeah. Let me, let me know down? when, when, you, yeah, what exactly. Did, what did you guys talk about in the locker room to get psyched up for the second <laughs> quarter? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let me tell you everything I said. Uh, <laughs> they all, yeah, it's, yeah. Anyway, I'm surprised that I, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here. Yeah, that's what we do. I'm right? surprised that, uh, that those positions still exist and that anyone cares. Right. Um, because I get, as a, as a fan, I don't get any, I get zero value out of that. In in fact, I get less than zero because I can see that the coach or the player or whomever is like, oh my God. Um, and just, you know, like it's no fun for them. No. It's not fun for them. Why, why do it? Yeah, you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Stop asking them questions. Let yeah. them just celebrate and hold the, hold the cup up, hold the trophy, you know, bask in the moment. It's crazy. Uh, you know, it's really interesting you brought up that point uh, because my, my theory going into this conversation when I asked the question was that sometimes people don't answer because they're not, they're either not excited about the question or they don't know anything about the question, right? So like, like, passion and expertise are not present. So it's just like, I'm nothing to really say here, but for, but first question, like, how did it go? You know, and like, or how did it happen? And, and these are things that a founder should have. So I, I, I would imagine it's pro probably more the humility side with a lot of people you're talking to versus, you know, because I, sometimes you can ask yeah. people questions that are just duds. Have you, have you had that? Have you ever sure. you recall any? Of course. Um like the one I just asked you? Like or? I <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of recency. Um <laughs> I uh so I, I had this hasn't come out yet, but I had this uh guy on my podcast named Cal Fussman. And um Cal's a he he's a like lead writer for Esquire magazine. He's a big deal. And we were having a great conversation and we got into and he's about 65 or so, but I know he's, he's, you know, into challenging himself physically as well. Even though when you look at him, you probably wouldn't make that, um, connection right away. And I, I just, and his whole thing is about the, the big questions. Like he's known as the big question person. Okay. So we had been talking about big questions sort of like this. And I, I asked him, well, hey, I was like, you know, you're doing these Spartan races and you're doing, this other, these other types of things, I can't remember exactly what the events were. And I'm like, does that help you as you're going through the process of training for that or um, actually competing? Does that ever help you with the formulation of, you know, your big questions, like stuff you wouldn't think about, you know? And he's like, well, that usually happens in the shower. And I was like, okay, that's telling me that wasn't that great of a question yeah you know? so i thought i was going somewhere with it but yeah i don't think that was that great of a question um i don't feel that way too often but i wonder now that you say that how often do the people who are listening to my podcast go well that wasn't a great question <laughs> it may probably happens more times than i think <laughs> yeah right because and that goes to that earlier idea of the scripting versus non-scripting at least if you script it Maybe it looked good on paper. You know, maybe it fell flat during the conversation, but at least it sounded good when writing. But when making up a question, yeah. like we're riffing, we're going off in these, we're, we're exploring together. Sometimes you have those things. And yeah. And you know, uh, that, that's 
you just made me think um, if you have scripted questions, your natural tendency is, and you don't have patience, your natural tendency is to be, is to get to that question. And you might, it might be the greatest question. You just ask it at the wrong time because rather than listening for when that's an appropriate question to ask, you force the question because it's such a great question. Right. And yeah, you, you force it early. What, t- talk to me about the timelines then. Are there certain questions you don't like to ask early on? Do you, do you tend to ask certain ones at certain times? You know, talk to me about that. Mm, yeah, I really don't. I really don't know what questions I'm going to ask Casey besides that first one. Like <laughs> I said, I know I, I know there are there are topics or things that I want to weave in at some point when it's right, but I um, but I I try I try to just let that happen. And there's lots of times when at the end I haven't gotten to a bunch of stuff that I thought I might get to and it just because it just didn't happen. You know, that's Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um by the way, I would I would argue that was a good example of like an unclear I wouldn't call it a dead question, but I would say like an unclear question. And I've often found podcasters will sort of figure it out and they'll just make a great answer like yours was just now. Whereas that untrained person who is just literally going to take you literally. And if I'm like, have you ever felt that? They'd be like, uh, yes or no. Right. It just, if, if you give them a, oh, a boolean sure. question, they're just going to answer it and wait for you to fill in the gaps versus a podcaster. I don't know. There's something, there's something to that. Well, again, like I mentioned, I mean, when you come onto a podcast, you've made a choice to come on the podcast. So, if if that means that you're going to answer a question with one word and make me feel like I just asked you a bad question, then I don't know that you really showed up for the right reasons. True, <laughs> yeah. true. Especially if it's you're trying to have a conversation. It's not it's not CNN. We're not debating. We're not you know scourging each other. This is just you know it's. It's just two people having a convo about things they love. Uh, so right. you only, your only scripted question is your first one. And you know, it's interesting. My yeah. other show, I, I used to ask a couple different miles. I, even now I have a couple of milestones I'll, I'll tend to hit, but, but that's interesting because it, from my perspective, I oftentimes see people asking personal questions or sensitive questions too soon, right? going right. Hey, what was your biggest failure? Hey, just met you. Don't know if you can trust me. And they're like, what's your biggest failure, bro? And it's like, I actually once had one person ask me on a podcast. She was so nice, but your first question was like, you know, so like, who are you? What makes you, you, you know? And so because it was early in the process, I gave her the, you know, the, the polished answer, which is, well, I'm a technical communicator and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, people that ask me that toward the end of the show, they're getting the fact that I was a magician and I like karate, you know, like, so it's almost like when you can warm them up and it sounds like, you know, maybe that's something you're doing just naturally because it's not scripted. You're, you're just sort of evolving the questions. Yeah. I mean, that's, I definitely want to get to who you are. So, yeah, but I'll, but I never, I never ask it that way because when I, I, to me, that question, for example, for for 
probably 90 plus percent of the people that come on a podcast. That's, I don't want to say it's an offensive question, but that's not a question that you've earned the right to ask me when we're just getting started. And once you do, like I've had that asked of me and all kinds of questions, you know, on these types of podcasts that I've been on that you met, you, you sort of referenced there. And I, as soon as like, to me, when I get asked something like that, I'm just like, okay, lazy. Um, <laughs> or when it's like, oh, hey, Mike, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Oh. Okay, lazy. Um, you know, there's a lot of, and I, I'm not saying I'm right about that. That's just how it feels to me as a guest or a listener. So I, um, well, can yeah, we talk about so that for a second? I would, yeah. Because I agree. Sure. The, the whole introduce yourself thing. Man, doesn't it? It's like you asking someone to introduce themselves is not giving them. I don't think it's giving them the gift you think it's, it is. You're actually, in my mind, you're telegraphing that you didn't care enough to figure out how to do an introduction to introduce. Like, you don't know. Like, if you can pull off the interview and make it look like maybe you don't actually know who they are, you're almost like a CNN. Yeah, no, I didn't read your book. I'm just going to literally ask you four questions that right. anybody could have asked you. You know, I just. It transmits the wrong signals. Well, especially when almost everybody provides you with some sort of bio about them. That's part of our process. Do you have a bio? Do you have a picture? You know, we'd like to have these things. And when I'm on shows, I get I give them, you know, the what the what they need, the yeah. bio the And so and I'm not looking for someone to like with my bio, I'm not I don't care if they read the bio you know, word for word. In fact, I'd rather they didn't. What I'd right. rather they do is is talk about who I am in a way that makes sense to them. And then I can fill in the rest. I mean, I'm on your show for an hour here <laughs> or whatever. Uh, so I can fill in the rest, but I just don't like that. Like I said, it, t- it to me, it says lazy. Um, and it just, to me, it's not a great way to yeah to start. To be fair, you know, if you're listening to this and that's the method you do, I understand you may not know or not be aware that that you might be sending subtle signals, you know, to your guest uh, by doing that. So maybe just maybe today's the day you start doing a little intro instead. Just anything that and I like how you said that, Mike, about putting it in your own words, right? What that what that guest means to you far outstrips trying to ever read a bio of someone, right? We're not here to read their biography, you know, their 30 volume text. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I I just find that it's a subtle way to honor your guests by being able to say something nice about them to get started. And what I typically do, as I mentioned, a lot of people provide the bio. I take portions of the bio and that those are the ones that I'm going to talk about. And then as I'm doing it, the introduction, I ask them questions about something in the bio, or I interject about um, some organization that they're head of that I've never heard of. And right. so, so I just kind of make it like my own. I, I try to make it my own. And and oftentimes, it, uh, there's a question to them in the bio, in the reading of the bio, which... I, very, hardly anyone does that, um, but I, I think they like it. Wait, tell me more about that. There's a there's a question to them reading the bio. What, 
What does that mean? Yeah. So they might have like, I am a certified nutraceutical blah, blah, something. Right. And I'm like, Hmm, I don't know what that is. So rather than just reading what they wrote, you know, Casey is a certified nutraceutical, whatever. Actually I go, I'll say Casey is a certified nutraceutical. And be like, what does that mean? Never heard of that. What does that mean? And then they'll tell me, and it's just like a little breakup in the, in the bio that in the reading of the bio that brings the guest in right away, but in a, in a way where they're helpful to me as opposed to me trying to be know everything about them. Yeah. Uh, or I'll say, and, or they'll have some designation. I'll be like, it had to, it had to feel cool when you were profiled uh, in Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'll just say that and it's not like a question to them. I'll just be like, hey, that had to be cool. So I just try to add something along the way of the bio to give. So it's not just reading a bio. That's really cool. That's a really cool tip. That's like a power tip there. The idea of building in, uh, it's almost a rhetorical or just, it, it's like, and are you, you, you actually asking that question or are you just kind of like mentioning like, oh, I was, that would be really cool. The fact that you got, you know. Yeah, performs. it depends. Depends. Um, or, or, or like that same one, I might read that, you know, uh, they were featured as whatever in Entrepreneur Magazine. I'd be like, how'd that feel? Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's just a comment on it, and sometimes it's it's a just a small little question that I'll. I just think it, I don't know, feels like it works to me. Yeah, so it's something about it's like a, it's like a little micro signal that says, I, "I'm interested in you, right?" And I know just something something more about you than meets the eye. It doesn't necessarily right. have to be reading the book friend of mine, Ethan, he will read all of your books and he'll, he'll outline them and he'll bring up quotes and everything. And he's the master of preparation. Um, mm -hmm. but something as little as remembering the fact that you're in Wisconsin, which is where my sister-in-law is. And I went to a concert there, you know, just something that kind of gets brought up, but even better if it's yeah. about their accomplishment. So, um, I'm glad you brought up the book thing because one thing I do if I reach out to somebody because I've heard them on a podcast or something and they are promoting a book, I will get the book and I will read that book. Cool. Um, because I want the, like, that's why I reached out to them really. Um, and I know what they're trying to accomplish. Well, on, a, on the other hand, it, just because someone has written a book, I, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to read the book, every book that, uh, that a guest that say came to me through a channel or something wrote. Um, I like, I prefer, I think you have much better conversation with somebody if you've done something with their material, if you're going to ask them about it. If you, if they wrote a book and you haven't read it, then uh, I think you should say, I haven't read it. Yeah. Um, and not pretend <laughs> to have read it or pretend we're going to dive deep into the book. So tell me what chapter one's all about. And then that's your question. Um, and then you sit back yeah. and wish. Um, and there's another pro tip. I got this from James Altucher, who's um, you may have heard of. Yeah. He's got a podcast called James Altucher show. Um, and he reads a lot of books for like, you can tell he's read a lot of the books that, uh, and he's got some really big names that come on that expect you to have read their book. But um, his pro tip was, if you don't have time to read the book, 
just read the beginning, you know, the, the introduction, first chapter, and the end. And if you don't have time to do that, just read the end. Nice. And he's like, you'll know more than most people who are going to talk to them about that book will ever know because they haven't touched it at all. Yeah. And you'll be able to, you know, have a meaningful conversation about the book, maybe not an in-depth conversation, but a meaningful conversation about the book where, again, you've honored them by doing something. But then I, I wonder too, like, uh, like Tim Ferriss will say, I don't read any, I don't read anybody's books. It's just, I don't do it. And the people who come on his show often have books. So he pretty much, he doesn't fake it, doesn't try to, but he just kind of stays away from the book unless they bring up, you know, something in the book. And then he just feeds off of that, which I think is fine as well. But I, I haven't reached this, the point where um, I feel I have that type of audience and the type of command that he has where he can just say, I'm just not going to read books because uh, I got my own stuff to do. Um, but you're still going to have a great uh, conversation with me. You know, that's interesting. What did, do you do? I didn't know that about Tim uh, because I, for the most part, tend to subscribe to that sentiment. Uh, okay. My rationale has been I don't want to read the book because then I kn- I'll like I'll know everything. And then why would I ask you? Because I already know everything that you just stated. And, and also, I think part of this is too. I also don't want to ask leading questions that I know the answer to too much. I mean too much. Cause I know I ask you a, a question at the very beginning of this show leading question. I, I, I have a, a general sense of where we're going to go with it and I'm excited to hear, but I don't want to ask yeah. you a question and that I know the answer to, which is probably attorneys do that. Right. But like I, I I'm generally asking cause I'm curious. So I really do want to know the answer. If I've already read your book, I have to find other questions to be curious about. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except that, except maybe that the people who are listening to your podcast haven't read the book. Right. So while the answer may not be surprising to you, it may be surprising to them. So I, I think there's, you know, like I say, I go, I, I've, I, I read a bunch of them, but I don't read all of them. Right. Um, I do feel like I'm better prepared when I've read the book. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And and not just about the book itself, but about them. There's yeah. a lot more usually in the book about them than their bio yeah. suggests. Spend some more yeah. time with them. You know, my excuse is that I want to be inspired to read the book after this conversation. Um, it, it could be lazy. I don't know. Something, I'm, something I've been toying with. Uh, hmm. I don't think it's lazy. Yeah. I, I don't. That's not, that I don't think is lazy. I mean, you're asking somebody that's a lot of work for five, six hours to read a book. Sure. That's, Especially if you, what if you don't like it not, though, right? <laughs> yeah. What if you don't like nothing. the book? <laughs> um, Have you ever had that? Have you? Had- <laughs> sure. Of course. Yeah, well, book, I shouldn't say don't you, like. I mean, did you hate the most, been, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there have definitely been some where I haven't enjoyed them as much as others. Let's put it that way. But. But I'm not looking, I just want to be clear, I'm not looking for people to come on my podcast because they have a book and, and I want to read it. That's not what I'm looking for generally. Like I said, if I hear about something and I reach out to them, compliment them on their book, 
and ask them to be on my show, then I feel like I, I need to dig into that. It's definitely a different dynamic if you're requesting of them to be on yes. versus, you know, them just pitching you and you're like, cool, let's give this a whirl. There's definitely a difference there. I, yes, for sure. And I almost, <laughs> it almost works better when you ask them to be on, right? Because you've invested interest. You're excited at least. Like when Rand came on my show, he doesn't know who I am, but uh, but I – but the, he has the benefit of, of a host who already likes him, right? <laughs> I already like the guy. I've listened to him for two decades. So this is not going to be a tough interview. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Um, at least at least half of it, you know, I'm a fan and he eventually becomes a fan. Uh, it's a cool dynamic to it. Yeah. So how did you get him? How did I? We just, just reached out. Said, hey. He did. <laughs> okay. Um, it was wasn't any real magic to it. Maybe, you know, maybe he's famous in a select marketing community, but right. yeah, just really, but really cool guy. Yeah. I mean, he's okay. Yeah. Just a really right. cool guy reached out and also he's doing a new thing now. So he's, he's got, you know, he's got a new SaaS app. He's, he's doing things. And so of course he could, you know, he could use the attention and the promotion as well. So there's a benefit to him uh, to be on. But yeah, just okay. just asking. Yeah, his name's really familiar to me. He he just recently had a company that he sold, I think. Um, yeah, he he founded uh, the SEO Moz company, or at least with his with his family, he created that Moz M O Z. It's pretty cool. But now now he's doing the, like the next phase. So it, it was just a cool combo, and we we got to a lot of stuff. Okay, um, but now that we're geeking out on 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 like how much we love it. I'm just curious. Is there one particular aspect you love the most about being a host? Hmm. I love to have my own curiosity satisfied. So I want people to get curious about themselves when, when we're talking, but I, I just get a lot of energy out of my own crea- uh, curiosity being uh, peaked and satisfied. Yeah. Um, when I'm talking to someone and, it's and, and it's evidently it's easy to do, Casey, because <laughs> there's hardly any that I walk away from where I'm like, wow, I know, I my curiosity wasn't satisfied at all with that <laughs> person. That that rarely happens. Um, so I think as for me as a as a host, that's like number one. Um, yeah. I, you know, I always. I'm, I'm always trying to do work that I think is important and I'm always trying to do it as best as I can on that day. Yeah. And I, geez, I always hope that someone else will like it um, and get it. I think that's the thing that if there's anything that, if there's anything that I'm, I feel like I've still m- massively in search of is how do I get more people to give my show uh, a chance. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I'm sure that that's probably what most podcasters are are saying to themselves is how, like if you think you have, you're doing good work and it's, um, and it's got a broader potential appeal than what you're seeing in your, numbers or whatever yeah. how do you break through um and get it get people to give you a chance 
And, and this kind of right. brings up that challenge of do you, in your intentions, who's more important, your own curiosity or the listener's curiosity? Yeah. Well, um, so what do you think the answer to that is? Uh, I was, I wanted to know your answer before I, 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 you know. Okay. So my answer is clear. If it's, if it's, if it doesn't satisfy my curiosity, I shouldn't be doing it. And so I can't put the listener in front of me when it comes to podcasts. I, I have to get something out of it before I can hope to have a chance for the listener to get something out of it. But isn't it tempting then? to make the listener the priority, right? Now, my answer is more like yours because I couldn't sit through this thing. Like, one, for instance, other than Rand, who is a reformed SEO specialist in the marketing community, I, I can't stand to talk to anyone about that specialty on my marketing podcast. Just, I'm just not going to do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> I dislike mm -hmm. that industry. And... Other than a childhood hero, you're not going to, it's funny. I was like 20, but other than a hero of mine, I don't really <laughs> want to talk to any, we didn't talk SEO either. So it was like, I just don't want to do, I just can't do it. So there's certain things I just don't, you know, it's just, that's anti-curiosity for me. But, but yeah, you, I've always felt that if I'm interested, then wouldn't everyone else be too, which may or may not be true, you know? Well, you think about any type of production, right? Yeah. It's whether it's a movie or television or a stand-up show or whatever. You you you're always interested in whether the audience is going to accept what you're doing. Yeah. But you're but you're always best when you've accepted what you're doing and you're putting it out there and you you're hoping that it resonates with the with the audience. But if it doesn't resonate with you, you just feel like there's no way I can connect, not for long, that I can connect to an audience with something I'm not sold on. Yeah. I really feel like you have to be sold on what you're doing. And by sold on what you're doing, I don't mean you can't improve, you can't you know, get tips, you can't continue to get better. I mean, it is a continuing, continuous improvement yeah. process. But if you're not sold on the core of what you're doing, well, you you know, you'll be like probably like most to uh, most podcasters that end up doing ten episodes or twenty episodes, and that's 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 that. They're not sold on what they're doing. Yeah, um, they're trying something. So there's a difference, right? There's a difference between commitment and trying. Yeah, um, it, it, I I feel yeah. like I'm committed to. Yeah, it creates such a low energy when you're not interested. So I, I do feel like it's kind of like a table stakes that. If you're not interested, then who else is going to be? I, I, confession to make in one of my, um, see, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing your number. I think something like 300 episodes on the marketing pod and a bunch of this one. In one of those episodes, I did check out mentally and check my email, you know, and, uh, and my Slack and everything else in, under the sun because the guy was just so boring and I hated it. And I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but I, confessing to you, Mike, that I did this because I just mm -hmm. wasn't interested. And instead of trying to take like an active role and in interrupting him and maybe asking something different or some other question, I sort of just let it ride, you know, let him do his monologue. And then I'm just going to not be there. And it just, 
It's just not good. But as people could imagine, it does not make for, the episode doesn't get better when you do that. <laughs> yeah, it's what do they say that suboptimal? Yeah, that, was, that is, is very, less than quite ideal. Quite suboptimal. Yeah. It's all you might as well just you know hit the disconnect call <laughs> button and. <laughs> I, we got this good experiment I, on this one, guys. I lost my internet. <laughs> yeah, I'll get back to you when we can reschedule. <laughs> so we gotta stay engaged, um, but then I, th I think it is that it's like a hierarchy of needs, right? We need to be engaged. We're engaged, but then it's doing those things, thinking about you know when I was chatting with Dave about time to value of your pod and other things you can do to maybe display the conversation in a certain way that 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 helps the mm. people out that are listening doing certain things yeah. that you may, may not want to do that uh, can help the listener figure out what you're talking. I, I don't know. There's just, it's like, we do need to consider who's listening at some point in the process. Yeah. Well, of course um, I just can't. So considering who's listening is a different thing than who are you, who, you know, who do you need to satisfy first? Um, totally. I'm always considering who's listening. Um, I learned this technique from a guy named David Senra, um, who who does a podcast called Founders. Oh, cool! Which is which is a really good podcast, but it's solo podcast, and he talks about books that he read, uh, biographies and autobiographies. Really, guy's super passionate. But one nice. of the things that he does all the time, and I do this now, is he addresses his audience as you. So he'll say, and you and me know that, you know, from which whoever's book that, you know, uh, history doesn't repeat itself. Human nature does, for example. That's something he says all the time. So he's always saying you um, or you and me to try to keep, you know, the audience connected with right. him. And I, I've, I've stolen that. And I use that now because I think it's very powerful and very few people do it. I love that. I love that tip, that, the idea of dressing as you. And I, and I haven't heard a pro of that, but I have heard the negative, which is when you, when you talk about the people listening, you can, oh, 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 my listeners or, um, yeah. Uh, my, my, my audience in ways that make people feel gross to be listening, right? Like you can sort of degrade your audience and lump them into a yeah. sort of crowd. Oh, you, you, you people listening, you know, but it's like, no, you, I'm talking directly to you and just the two ears listening to this right now. That's powerful. Yeah. And I, I, I I'm glad you brought that up because this is a totally different what he does. He's yeah. not like, you sh he's, he's not like those people who go, you just heard a bomb drop here, folks. You got to remember that, you know, or whatever. They, you know, they sound like a radio DJ. <laughs> His is just like, he just connects with you. You and me, he's like, you and me both. And he's not telling you, he's not, you know, telling you what you should. He's just like, hey, Casey, remember you knew and me were whatever. That's what he's doing. And I think it's a really powerful, subtle uh, way to connect with people that they don't feel gross at all. They're like, oh yeah, we were we were yeah. reading this book together um, or talking about, you know, Henry Ford together. And yeah, it's a cool technique, man. Um, because, you know, I've listened to enough Joe Rogan episodes that I feel like I know the guy pretty well. I don't know the guy at all. Right. But I feel like I've listened to him so many times that 
you know, I know you and you don't know me, but it'd be even worse. That effect would be even worse or greater in this case, if he was doing that on the show. Like if he was talking to me personally by saying it, you know, yeah. like you're describing, man, well, that sounds like a recipe for a really cool, you know, li- creating a, a relationship with your listeners, not just, you know, ca- like a casual commercial one. Yeah. I think it's something worth trying for people that are listening. I think it's something worth trying. See how it feels for you. Well, you know what? You just dropped a bomb there. That's what you did just now. <laughs> <laughs> Were you folks listening to that? Yeah. You got to write that. Th- yeah. Well, well, my, my yeah, audience yeah. was listening to that. And uh, well, you know, I have one final question for you. Okay. Is there anything I haven't asked? Yeah. Is there anything you haven't yeah. asked? What? Anything I any, that, anything I haven't asked anything I haven't asked you is there anything what yeah you haven't asked me what's the one big takeaway that I've had from listening to your podcast and I've listened to maybe five episodes so far oh, and cool. I'm going to tell you one of the biggest takeaways that I have had uh, and it was with your most recent podcast guest the one that dropped and I don't remember his name and I didn't really was it this it was, one the about know, the podcasting lot. or was it the marketing one. It was about podcasting. Okay. And uh, I was listening to it and, you know, I was walking and I was kind of, you know, not completely engaged with his story. Yeah. But at the end, he said something. He, he, he started talking about some tools that he uses. And he brought up this tool called Opus AI that essentially you download your video and it creates clips for you for social media. And I mean, it creates, you know, I tried it right away. Yeah. And it creates wonderful YouTube shorts or social media posts with the transcription. It's smart enough to know how to put it together most of the time. And I walked away from your episode, like one of my major, so I, I have a producer, she takes my show and she edits it and she makes a, edits the video, edits the audio, yeah. makes me one social media clip and, um, you know, I pay X amount a month for that, right? And yeah. I'm like, well, how do I get more social media clips? That's what I want. I want more, 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 more. Well, it costs more, more, more. Yeah. So I was like, well, I don't want to pay more, more, more. <laughs> uh, so then I'm listening to you and this guy on your podcast, you and here talking about tools, and he mentions this tool, Opus AI. And right away, I'm like, that's what I've been looking for. Boom. And not only is it, free if you just want to sort of mess around with it but the pro version is 220 or 288 dollars a year so every single so what can i do to honor my guests we were talking about that before not just one social media clip that i'll send you i'm going to send you and post one every day about our episode for a week you know um I love that. and that was so thank you for having that gentleman on and asking him that question, which you could have not asked him. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, and I think anyone who is listening, and anyone who's listening to this that is a podcaster or does anything on social media with video, and one of your challenges is, how do I take this video that I have and actually make it digestible mm. for shorts or social media clips? And then you combine that with ChatGPT, the pro version of that, to make your 
posts for you and incorporate the video. And all of a sudden you've gone from something that was very expensive and out of your hands if you weren't technical, technical to something that any podcaster can do. Um, so tremendous value. There you go. Boom. There it is. Shout out to Boom. Nolan, by the way. That was, that was the episode we we're listening Nolan, to. Okay. Or you were listening yeah, to. Yeah, Nolan, thank Nolan you Nolan McCoy. That. Good dude. Uh, man, Mike, what do you think? We just blasted through a time warp here we, an hour later. Plus, we made it. <laughs> made it. We made it, man. You're a good. Gu- you're a good guide. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Where can people reach out? They want to connect. You know, some social apps or some websites, some URLs, and also throw out the name of the show too, so we can link to that. Yeah. So the show is How Did It Happen, um, and my name is Mike Malatesta. M A L A T E S T A. Mike Malatesta Uh, you can get everything about me there. So it's centralized, one spot, connect with me, access the podcast there. Um, Information about my book is there. Information about the Dream Exit that we talked about at the beginning, which is a program that I have to help entrepreneurs with revenue between five and 100 million prepare for the Dream Exit that they deserve, but often don't get. Um, So yeah, everything's there. Mike Malatesta. Dot com. Love it. Love it. We're going to have to hang out and uh, s- swap copies of our books so we can read read each other's books. <laughs> that, that is going to go on my Goodreads list, sir. Um, okay, it, great. It's great having you here, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on here, schooling me on things, having a good conversation about things, talking about intention, about how did it happen? Why does it matter? All these things, the scripting, the control of the narrative. Man, I just had such a great time. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been great. All right. And everyone listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, then share it with someone else and be a thought leader to one person, nine people, 3,000 people, whatever. Um, And with that, Mike, thanks again, dude. And uh, yeah, exciting stuff. I can't wait to check out your next episode. Thanks, Casey. Cool, guys. That was it. Another crazy cool episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short, and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.